You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Well, if you were at chapel on Wednesday, was anyone at chapel on Wednesday? One, two, three, four, five, six. You got the, the, uh, the gospel part of my message today, but we're going to throw a little law in there today, a little reality, a little reality. So if you're thinking, I've already heard this, don't leave now, don't leave now. And uh, at Bible class on Wednesday, we talked about a few of these things. And we're going to talk about petunias. Now, what does that have to do with the King of Kings? You're going to find out. So this picture was taken on November 22nd. What do you think? Pretty good for November 22nd? Usually about October? Tim, don't you stop watering your pots about October 1st? (laughs) Okay, so this is a month and a half later, and these petunias were volunteer petunias. And they just happened to be in place where I think the sun really hit them, and they were protected in this little, this little corner between a step and the, and the garage, and a little bit of an awning so they didn't get the bad frost. So I thought they were pretty cool, so I took a picture. Well, look what look what they're looking like on December 12th. They're still not looking too shabby. And it was at this time that I noticed something. What color are these petunias? Purple. They're purple petunias. And I thought, Christmas is coming. The King of Kings is going to be born. And what's the color of royalty? Purple. Now I had a goal. Now I had a goal. 21st, we're getting closer to Christmas, right? They're looking a little shabbier, but still not too bad. But now we've got a problem. I had been covering them at night, usually if it got below freezing. But the forecast for the 21st, the 22nd, and the 23rd was in the low teens and maybe even in the single digits. Now what was I going to do? Well, let's find out. So, this is a black trash bag, obviously, okay? And underneath that black, that black trash bag, I had one of my dad's old farmer's elevator coats that he, that he wore to work in Wisner. And it was a big old thick thing. So I put that on first, and then I put the trash bag on, and I had a kind of held down by those, by those uh, crocs, you would be amazed at how warm it got under there. But that didn't help at night, did it? There was no solar energy happening once it got dark. So what could I do to keep these petunias going for three more days? You know, don't you? Well, I got to thinking. My mom told me a story. It's not really a story. It's just something they used to do. She lived out in the country and uh, had a couple mile either walk or ride, uh, sometimes in a wagon even, 
if it was a car, it was a cold car. And her mom would put baked potatoes in the oven in the morning. And they'd put those baked potatoes in their pockets. And they would keep their hands warm all the way to school. Probably their bodies too, honestly. So I thought, all right, here we go. So every night I'd put about three or four baked potatoes in the microwave for about five or six minutes. I'd wrap them up in tin foil. And about 10 o'clock at night, I'd put them underneath my little canopy. Aren't you dying to see if it worked? Here's our Christmas Day petunias. They made it. The king is born. And there's our Old Testament lesson this morning. Did you recognize that? Christmas Day. It was a Christmas miracle. It really was a Christmas miracle. So purple royalty was the motivation. I really didn't plan on using it other than just to be kind of happy that they made it to Christmas. And then I decided one day, or just popped in my heart from the Holy Spirit, well, you can use that as a chapel message. Well, now I'm using it as a real message on Sunday morning. So I started doing some research on this color purple. Why is purple the color of royalty? About 1500 B.C., People discovered these little snails in the Mediterranean Sea and on the seashores of Morocco. They discovered that these little snails, these little sea snails, they emit about one tiny drop of purple substance which ends up becoming a purple dye. It took 250,000 snails to make one ounce of this what is called Tyrene purple, royal purple. Now do you see why it was so precious? But this purple had an amazing quality. When we have purple on, if we have a, a purple coat, purple t-shirt, you throw them in the washer, you wear them out in the sunlight, you hang them up to dry. What usually happens to the color eventually? What happens? It fades. It fades. This dye made from these snails only gets brighter and brighter as it is in elements and over time. Now do you see why this purple cloth that was made out of this purple dye was so precious, was so expensive, that only, that only royal, royalty used it. But nothing lasts forever, right? But nothing lasts forever. Look at these beautiful petunias now. Those are my Christmas Day miracle petunias. It's kind of sad, isn't it? It's a little sad. They're dead as a doorknob. They're dead as a doorknob. And you know why? Where did death come from anyway? It came from original sin, didn't it? Let's read from Genesis. Let's read from Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. And, and the Lord God had, that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Houston, we have a problem. We have a sin problem, don't we? We have a sin problem. Pretty small word, but pretty powerful. Paul, the Apostle Paul, actually says, he tells us, we are dead to our sins. And you were dead in the the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's not a fun picture, to think that we are dead to our sins. But the good news is that we have a a very gracious Father who sent His Son. Let's take a look at 1 Peter and look at the the amazing, the amazing, uh, I guess, ending... Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Ladies and gentlemen, Satan is real, isn't he? And And when we are singing hymns about the king reigning forever and ever, his second coming isn't here yet. That's reality. Reality is that the devil is prowling he's waiting to devour as many as he can until he knows the son of man's going to come back and then he will reign forever and ever so thinking of the theme of lions i'm going to put up some words from a song okay this song is called i just can't wait to be king does anyone know where this song comes from The Lion King. And who's singing this song? And what's his name? It begins with S. Does anybody know? Simba. Here's this little lion cub. And what's he singing? I just can't wait to be king. But why does he want to be king? Well, look look at all the good reasons he wants to be king. No one's saying do this. No one's saying, be there. No one's saying, stop that. No one's saying, see here. Free to run around all day. Free to do it all my way. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Well, isn't that what we all want? We all want to make our own rules, right? And unfortunately, unfortunately, kings... And you can think about it today. Kings not only want to make their own rules, they want to make their own truth, don't they? They want to make their own truth. The Bible isn't truth to many kings. They want to make their own truth. What's the president of China's, China, uh, uh, 
President Z. Z. He went golfing for the first time this week. He shot a 36 under par. He he literally, he literally told everyone he shot a 36 under par. Steve, is that possible? By Tim? <laughs> he said he had nine hole in ones. Imagine to have that much power. That's not truth. That's not truth. But it happens, doesn't it? So we have to be grounded. We have to be grounded. Well, let's see how this plays out. Okay? Dan, if you want to hit the lights, we're going to see how this plays out. Simba had one rule from his dad. Just like Adam and Eve had one rule from the father, don't eat that fruit from that tree. Does anyone remember what the one rule Simba had from his father? Does anyone remember? Don't do something. Close. Has something to do with the elephant graveyard. Never go to the elephant graveyard. Let's see how that plays out. Blobbering mangy stupid poachers. Ixnay on the Oopid's day. What do you call it Oopid's day? My, my, my. Oh, look at the sun. It's time to go. What's the hurry? We'd love you to stick around for dinner. Yeah, we could have whatever's lying around. Wait, 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 wait. I got one. I got one. Make mine a cub sandwich. What do you think? <laughs> what? what? And what is it? Hey, did we order this dinner to go? No. Why? Because there it goes! Did we lose him? I think so. Where's Zazu? Major Domo Bird hippity hop all the way to the birdie boiler. Oh no, not the birdie boiler! <laughs> hey, why don't you pick on somebody your own size? Like you? Oops. <laughs> Very brave. You can stop at their case. 
Did you see the pitiful look on those little cubs' faces? They had disappointed. They had, they had disappointed the king, basically. Do we ever disappoint our, our father in heaven? Sure we do. But the story doesn't end there, does it? The, uh, the other day on Friday, I visited uh, someone at uh, one of the nursing homes, 93 years old, he and his wife, and we were talking a little bit about petunias. We are talking a little bit about what we were talking about this morning. And I said, you know, I, I'm, what I'm struggling with is, is I just want to preach about the gospel, and I just want to tell everyone how much God loves them. And, but I know, I know we, we need some law, too. And he said, he, kinda, he said, can I interrupt you? I said, sure. He said, well, I had, a, I had a pastor about 60 years ago, and this is what he told me. He said, you got to hammer them hard with the law, but then you gotta, then you got you to finish with the sweet gospel. So we get to finish with the sweet gospel today because our King of kings and our Lord of lords, He will he will win. He's already defeated sin, death, and the power of the devil. We have his strength through the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean it's not, it's not difficult. It is difficult. And we do mess up. We do create our own rules. We do create our own truce. Well, think about maybe even one of the most famous kings in the Bible beside Jesus. Who would you say the most famous king was? King David. Well, he was perfect, right? I'm not so sure if King David was alive today, he wouldn't be in jail. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. But see, the difference between King David and King Saul was one thing. When David messed up, he had hurt his heart, and he got on his hands and knees and he prayed and he begged for forgiveness. And God forgave him, just like Jesus forgives us today. That doesn't mean we would go on sinning and just live it up. Minimally, he expects us to try. He certainly expects us to be in his word for the spirit and the word to work faith in our hearts so that we can have that strength to resist following our own rules, following our own truths. So we've been talking about Peter a little bit. Let's read the first two verses from 1 Peter from our epistle lesson, and I think they'll have a little different meaning now that we've talked about royalty and this purple cloth never fading. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Our Jesus is alive. Our King of Kings is alive. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is the best part. To an inheritance. To an inheritance. We usually don't earn an inheritance, do we? Do we have to do anything except be born to receive an inheritance? Because of what Jesus did on that cross for us and because 
He rose from the grave. We have an inheritance that is imperishable. It'll never die. It is undefiled. It's perfect. And the best part, it is unfading. We got a little bit of that, that miracle fabric, don't we? We got a little bit of that purple from those snails that we get to celebrate and it is kept in heaven for you and it's kept in heaven for me. Now that's the sweet gospel. That's the sweet gospel. You know, when Jesus was with his disciples and they had the Last Supper, Jesus said, take and drink. This is my blood. It is the new covenant of my blood. Drink of it as often as you can in remembrance of me. So what's this new covenant that Jesus was talking about? There's lots of covenants in the Bible, aren't there? For those of us who, who came to Wednesday night Advent services, the children sang and read about all the different covenants building up to this covenant. Noah's covenant, Abraham's covenant. It was repeated to Isaac. It was, re it was repeated to Jacob. David had a new covenant with God. Moses had a covenant with God. But ultimately, this is the most important covenant. And the covenant's so easy. I always told my fifth graders when I was teaching religion to kind of help them with covenant. Just kind of a hard word to think about. It's because it's more than a promise. I said, a covenant is is a promise on steroids. That's what I told him. Becker, right? Remember? Promise on steroids. And this covenant basically is John 3.16. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall never perish but have eternal life. So the covenant is all we have to do is believe. And we are saved. That's the new covenant that Jesus talks about. When we take communion, that's the covenant we get to celebrate and commune with all of the saints and our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The crimson blood of our Lord and Savior is never going to fade, is it? And we get, a, we get a finish today. We started with a vision in, in Daniel. We're going to finish with a vision from Revelation. Let's go to that Revelation message, passage. So this is, who wrote, who wrote Revelation? John. Daniel obviously wrote Daniel, right? So this is the apostle uh, John writing the visions that God gives him, gets them down on paper, this might be my favorite vision. It actually is my favorite vision. The seventh angel sounded a trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And He will reign forever and ever. It wasn't good enough for John just to say forever. Forever and ever. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from the Bible. What's, what, what do we know around Christmas time that is sung? Hallelujah chorus, right? 
and he shall reign forever and ever. King of kings and Lord of lords. And he shall reign forever and ever. And that's what we get to be thankful for today.